Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of I Dig Your Soul Podcast with your host, Nadia Khalil. Today's show, today is the 22nd of September. It's like I keep saying, we're just rolling along. A lot is going on in our world. It's easy to want to hide. It's easy to want to run away. There's so much going on, so many spinning plates all at once that you don't even know which one to pay attention to. And some things that may have been huge just by themselves happen in a day. By the next day, we've forgotten because something even bigger is happening. And they're even talking about more to come in October. To the point where, you know, I watch and listen to a lot of company executives and what they think about what's going on and how they're coping and how they're adjusting and how they are keeping things running because they have to. And when I hear from someone all the way, this is the gamut, the pendulum, of someone whose parent just got sick and they are kind of upset that They have to take care of them. So they're lashing out at the sister that lives two hours away and can't come and help. Or they're lashing out that they feel like their life just disappeared and they have to take care of this parent. And they lashed out that it's interfered in their life. And they've lashed out that, you know, one of their friends that's a medical expert said, oh, wow, I'm worried about you and all of this. And so they write me to ask me, hey, you know what? What should I do? And every time I would give an answer, it would be, but then there's the money thing. And then I'd say that, well, then there's my emotional health. And then I'd address that. And I finally realized that I was talking to someone who was reacting but wasn't yet ready to take on the action part. That's why I put action over reaction because we're going to have both. But the action part, we don't act on right away. We hold our breath and we wait. So I understood what was going on in her head. I understood how hard it was to face that because now you literally, in some ways, have to cancel your life as you know it. But then once you fall into a way of how it all is working, you reintroduce your life into what is actually going on plus how you're going to do what you need to do. But initially, I had to pull her out of the self-pity part because now instead of caring, you know, the person who's sick doesn't want to be sick any more than you don't want them to be sick. It's an intrusion on both of your lives, on the family's life, 
whether you want it to be or not, and nobody is happy about it. But if we just focus on ourselves and isolate ourselves, that person becomes an intrusion, and you live in a negative space. It's normal for any of us to initially get that tape, the old tape that feels sorry for us. You poor thing. Oh, my gosh, how are you going to handle this? What are you going to do? Oh, you can't do this anymore. You can. You just have to readjust how your life is going to work. And so I wanted to dial it back today to what if things just show up in your life? Because how you deal with that it's telling you every single thing you want to know about yourself. All those questions, who am I? Well, how do you react? That's who you are. What we do every day is who we are. So I didn't want to wallow with her in self-pity because I realized, you know, that, that toy, and I don't know, in, around the world, there's one in what they call Chuck E. Cheese in America, and it's like a indoor play area with all these games, and um, kind of like when you go to those pinball places, and they have a bunch of different games, and there's a thing called the Mole, and I think, I hope I said it right, where if you hit one thing, three things pop up, you hit another thing, another three things pop up, and you feel like you're never going to get all the things until the machine finally Stops. Your time has run out. So I'm like, let's get to the place where the excuses, going and taking a huge visit to that excuse buffet and finding our excuse of why we're going to be miserable today or feel sorry for ourselves today or stay in a negative mindset today are plenty. But I found out that when somebody comes to me like that and I can see it because I can see it. I have to see it. I had to be it, to live it, to see where it took me to find out what it feels like to feel like I need to feel sorry for myself because that's how Christ teaches. Otherwise, I wouldn't know what I was talking about. So when Christ says starve the dog, I was starving her dog. I was not feeding it. Oh, you poor thing. But instead I said and used words like, I know this is hard. I know it's hard. How do you know? Because I'm doing it as I speak to you. I am taking care of someone who doesn't want to be sick, nor do I want them to be sick. And I'm going through all the stages of what that feels like. I've had to not be available for radio, and we had to go to doctors far away. I knew I had maxed out and had to take a week off of radio because I was just so flat-out tired that I didn't even want to talk. But it wasn't because I was feeling sorry for myself. It was because I understood my limits. And if I don't take care of myself, I can't come back to radio. 
Because one day I'll just burn out and say, oh, this is all just too much. And I can't take care of the person. And I can't run the house and make sure they're eating properly and make sure they're rested and make sure everything is working and medications are taken on time. And, you know, we go for a walk and we do this and we do that. And it is all-encompassing. And it took me a while to find my footing Like, when do I get time to take care of myself because I need to take care of certain things? And so it became a difference between need and want, but not complaining and not pointing fingers and not avoiding myself. Because if I did those things, just like if you do it anywhere, if you're at a job and you complain and you're pointing fingers and you avoid yourself, you have nothing to do with anything, you're not going to be happy. Complaining is the first signal, whether it comes from our kids, our partners, or ourselves, that says we are definitely going to take ourselves down that road that is not paved with love, starting with self-love. We're going to create chaos. We're going to create complications. We're going to keep bringing the attention to us. Bringing the attention to us. Because we need not only to live in self-pity, but to have everybody else feel sorry for us too. And then to back it up with a friend that's a nurse or in the medical profession that said, she's worried about me. Well, are you worried about you? Why do you have to have someone else tell you they're worried about you? So I felt like as I was responding to this person, wow, who is this person that's coming out of me? Why am I so tough on her? And Christ said, you're not tough. The truth is tough. And because you constantly are fighting for the truth, because you constantly are looking for the truth, it feels uncomfortable, doesn't it? And I'm like, oh, my God. The truth is uncomfortable. It makes us feel in itself, because we were taught, not because of the truth. It's not the truth's fault. It's how we looked at the truth. And I realized the way we look at the truth comes with a pile of baggage. Oh, don't tell them the truth. That would be too harsh. Oh, you're going to sound mean. You're going to sound like you don't care. But then I had to go back to what did Christ say about respect? Well, he said that telling each other the truth is the highest form of respect that we have. And I'm like, oh, my God, I get that now. Not that I didn't get it a week ago, but I really get it now. I told her the truth. It made me uncomfortable. It made me feel like I was being so tough on her in a time of need. But then Christ said if she wasn't in a time of need, she wouldn't even need this information, nor would she remember what you said. If she gets upset, it's because it's true. We get upset at the truth. And I thought, yeah, that's why we try to 
come easy with the truth. We try to give it to people slowly, but we can lie all day long. Oh, yeah, you're fine. Oh, you poor thing. None of that is true. She isn't fine. She isn't a poor thing. She wrote for her reason. And if I didn't tell her the truth, I would not have done my job. And every time I tell someone the truth, I get this feeling in the pit of my stomach like, oh, I may lose that friendship. Or they're going to get mad at me for a while, and then a year from now they'll come back and say, I'm glad you did that. Because they really are. Because the truth heals. Ego loves for us to dwell in self-pity. There's a lot of action that can happen in that. Self-pity, let's say, and this is one of the funnier, not funny, but funnier ways to look at it. Let's say there's a couple and one cheats on the other. And then the person who got cheated on feels like they deserve or can be just as callous as their partner was to the relationship. And then they go out and cheat. Because self-pity says, they did it, you can do it. You have a right now. Do you really want to be that person? Is the question I'd ask ego because we have to talk back to our egos because it is the opposite voice. And say, do I really want to be that person? Do I really need someone to do what I think is wrong and then do another wrong to top it off and complicate the situation more? Because if I'm in self-pity and I feel that I've been wronged and I'm going to show them how hurt I am and I'm going to hurt them as much as I've been hurt, all we needed was an excuse to hurt ourselves and other people. Whatever the excuse was, that one just seems like people might understand it, even though they may or may not have done it. So mentally strong versions of us will refuse to feel sorry for ourselves because we know that life is going to dish something out to us. And it's not about the something. It's about us growing stronger and becoming better. Pity is like this, you know, that fork in the road we always talk about. It is the one not paved with love. It's another gateway for ego to come in and say, hey, 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 how are you? Come on in. Come on in. I've got this whole buffet for you to choose from. Anything you want, it's there. You can have it if you want it. And it all looks good and it's all shiny and you're like, wow, look at this buffet. Look at that chocolate with that whipped cream on it. Look at that layered cake over there. And look at all the different flavors of ice cream. 
and then you fill your plate. Go and you sit down, and you have a table full of people, and everybody's talking. And then you taste the food you just put on your plate, and you can't taste any of it. It's flavorless. But you're willing to accept that you can't taste or feel or care that you can't taste it because you're in good company with all this beautiful food. And then ego goes, wow, if they're willing to eat food they can't taste, boy, do I got another version for them. Let's see what they do over here. And then it takes us a little bit further. Why don't you just stay in for months? Quit your job. Fight with your family. Let's take this to another level. Not only should you feel sorry for yourself, but now we can just start blaming everybody. So then you go to the next buffet and you put the meat and you put the potatoes and you put all the basic foods that we need because now it's not the dessert that ego is luring you in with. It's the meat and potatoes of your life. And notice that it gave you the dessert first. The candy to lure you away from yourself goes for the meat and potatoes. doesn't start with the meat and potatoes because you would notice it. It would be too big. It starts to lure you in just like someone who wants to entice a child away from its world and take it and hurt it. It knows that it starts with the candy and then it digs deeper into who you are and it tests you and it pushes you and it pulls you and it makes you hate everybody and it makes you say things like, I'm always alone. Everybody's better than I am. Look at everybody's happy but me. And then ego's like clapping in the stands. It's the only one there, but hey, COVID times. It can be the only one there and now it looks normal that it's the only one there. And then once it gets the meat and potatoes and it gets you to hate, 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 blame, 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 you have nothing to do with anything that's happened to you in your life, poor you. Now it's going to take you to the vitamins. And it's going to start to gnaw away at anything you have left in you to help you with. The little boosters, the little supplements give you everything you want. But what it can't take from you is your free will. It can influence your free will when you participate with feelings that you know you're bigger than. So I found something out about the way ego works. And I I saw this in a visual and it was only a week ago. I was walking up the stairs in my house and ego was trying to say, oh, you're so tired. Oh, my God, how am I going to do all of this every single day? And it started putting me into the future and trying to scare me from my own future, which 
I normally wouldn't do. But I was tired. So when I heard myself say I'm tired, I go, yeah, you know what, I am. I feel tired. I look tired. But it's okay, is normally what I would say. And then I just go on and forget it. But that day, I was like super tired. (laughs) And I had a lot of demands put on me. And I was walking up the stairs, and I realized I wasn't breathing. Remember all the shows we did about breath? Well, we don't even see that one coming. It just kind of shows up, and I, I literally wasn't breathing. I was holding my breath. I put my Apple Watch back on because I have been walking so much just in the house that I actually wanted to track what was going on. So I put it back on, and it keeps buzzing, and I look at it because I turned off all the notifications because, remember, I took it off because of them. So I take off all the notifications, and now I just need the tracker, and it keeps notifying me, but none of the notifications that I turned off that bother me, like the texting and the phone calls and the whole thing. So what did it keep telling me? And I didn't even get it. It kept telling me to breathe. You know, that there's a, like a blue circle that comes up and says, breathe. And I'm like, I'm not breathing? Well, it took me a while to catch on that it was trying to tell me to breathe because I wasn't breathing. So this is what happened, going up the stairs. And I literally saw ego. It's like the second time I've actually seen it in full form. And I saw it encompass my head. And cause my my heart to enlarge. I know it sounds so weird. So that when I would breathe, my breath wouldn't go where it belonged, like all the way to my belly and come back up. And the reason it does that is because if we shallow breathe, we can stay in an anxiety-type state which perpetuates more anxiety. And we all know if we breathe all the way, we touch home. So now I'm getting, I saw it disconnecting me from home. Like physically saw it, visually saw it. And I'm like, ah, oh my God, that's how ego works. I couldn't believe it. And I go, wow. So ego gets us to hold our breath because it takes us away and separates us from God and from love and from home and from all of our support. There is more. It made me forget my resources. And you might think, what are your resources when you don't breathe? Because when you're not breathing, you're waiting for something else to happen so that you can breathe. Because you're you're obviously anticipating, and, you know, with everything I, I keep seeing, you know, and in health care and in home care, the pendulum swings. It's either this way or it's that way. And one of the two ways scares me to have to witness. So what happened? So I see it, and I see how it, It takes our breath only to like our center chest, not even to the bottom of our rib cage. So we're never getting a full breath, which causes the shallow breathing, 
which exasperates the anxiety that we're going to feel. But I realized in that moment, I go, well, if I'm not breathing all the way, then I'm not feeling something all the way. And I'm not touching in with God. I'm not interacting. Oh, that's so weird because I never felt like I wasn't ever interacting with God. But what it did was it covered up my thoughts, my resources that are helpers. So the minute I realized that was going on, what did I do? I go, oh, wait a second. And this was all just going up the stairs. There's like 15 stairs to get up in, in two sets. So you, you take like seven. It's like 14, I guess. You take seven, and then you land, and then you take another seven, and you're upstairs. So in there, in that fast of a moment or whatever it takes me to get up, I had all this happen. So then I realized that it camouflages our resources so we don't see them by attacking our breath, by not allowing us to even realize that we're holding our breath. And then it kind of gets invited in by telling me, I'm tired, and you're this, and you're that. It's doing what somebody may, or what that, that medical person told that girl. It's not her fault. It's so easy to walk into that. None of us are perfect, but we are here to make each other aware. So I get in and I see it. So I'm watching ego do it. And it's just like this little putsy energy that only gains strength when our free will gets added to it. So we empower ego to empower itself within us. But the bigger slap in the face was that ego is the literal opposite of love. Talk to your ego and then talk to God and just feel the difference. Because look at what I said. I said, you know what, God, the future doesn't scare me. And whatever you want, I want. And the minute I said that, the minute I said that, It's like my heart went back into where it belonged in terms of stopping me from breathing and my breath went all the way down and ego disappeared. It didn't even leave. It just dissipated. And I realized how much power we have over that little murky energy that only gets empowered if we give it an ear. And it reinforced that it's never about the problem, whatever the problem is, the worst case you could ever think of that you probably feel like you would die if it happened, all the way to wanting something you really want. It is murky and sticky and super lightweight. 
and we're the ones who empower it. So then I thought, well, if we empower ego, we can disempower it, can't we? Yes, we can. And we have that choice, and that's the choice we have. It is so amazing to see it. to see it, because what we can see, we can conquer. Otherwise, we don't even know it's happening half the time. So if we find that we get in that place, remind yourself that it's covering up your resources and go back to your resources. You guys, my time is up. I will see you tomorrow. I love you guys so very much. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the I Dig Your Soul podcast. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.